Oh my god. Can you believe it? The prodigal son returns. <laughs> You've been saving that one for a while. Like, not long enough. Some kind of podcast? That's what I was thinking of this morning. Podigal son is better, I'm sorry to say. It is good, but he's been in a writing session all day. He had a half day at work. <laughs> it's true. I had to cram everything. I mean, it was what, three months ago we decided to listen to uh, and li- listen to and watch mm-hmm. Metallica, a band we all, I don't know, Feel, different to. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be weird where I'm by far the biggest Metallica fan here. And I'm just like, yeah, I like them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I listen to, we're, we're, I guess we should, Emily, tell the people what we're doing tonight. Well, we're back mm-hmm. after a three-month hiatus. Two months? Two. Yeah, I was in rehab. I'm the James Hetfield <laughs> of the podcast. No, just uh, kidding, everyone. We last left off August 1st. It's 13 months later. And we had decided that night to watch... Some Kind of Monster, the Metallica documentary from 2004, mm-hmm. and listen to the Buzzcocks singles going steady. I think we were on some sort of punk thing that night. Well, we were coming off our Descendants High. Yeah. It's so. just uh, just Buzzcocks, according to Wikipedia. Oh, thanks. I, I do that all the time. I was saying the Buzzcocks. Yeah, I say the Descendants too, and it's not. it's also incorrect. So... I don't like it. You got to throw the the in there. What is that called? Or you got to be okay with it. Article? An article? That was you got to throw an article yeah. on there. I, well, you couldn't have picked two artists that are further from each other. <laughs> two documentaries that are that much different from each other. Yeah. And, like, I mean, this put to the test my love of all music documentaries. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it was bad. I, I can't say it was good. Maybe it was too revealing. Maybe there was too much out there. I guess we'll have to get into it. Well, so it's three months later, right? <laughs> it's October 1st, 2021. It's, right. We recorded in August. The whole summer went by. Actually, no, not my, that much time went by. Two months. It just we feels got, like a long time. We got couches, so there should be less of an echo. I actually hit the record button. Good job. Um, oh, you went with the uh, non-echoey couch. We did, nice. yeah. <laughs> Some kind of couches. These would be perfect in the first studio. They I, see. I just watched it. Some kind of monster again, and I and I found it to be quite just self-indulgent yet revealing. But I don't know. Like, well, they had they gave full say. Like they they let it record everything. And they had a good point. Was they were like, we, what, are you afraid? You're not nothing. You're not going to say anything in front of the cameras that you wouldn't say but you want people actually watching it. Like, you shouldn't be worried about the cameras. You should be worried if you want people to know this stuff about you. Yeah. And the hero of the doc, Phil Towley, said that. <laughs> so, some God kind of monster. Phil. What? Say it again? God bless Phil. He's worked with Rage Against the Machine. He's worked with a bunch of different bands. Um, yeah, so for some backstory, this documentary takes place in 2001. Mm-hmm. Metallica bassist... Jason Newstead Newstead had just left the band, and so it was the remaining three, and they decided to record an album, and their method for doing so is different than any other method they've done in the past, where it's really going to be more collaborative, rather than them writing songs individually and then coming together. Yeah. Um, It was very strange, because first of all, has anyone ever listened to the record Saint Anger? Never. It is 
by far their worst, most poorly received album. It's pretty bad. It's it just is really everything, bad. everything that they said in the documentary that they were trying to do failed horribly <laughs> and was reflect. They were like, uh, well, you don't get that from the doc, though, because no. by the end, the yeah. album comes out and it released number one in 30 countries. Well, that's, you know, metallic. But it's Every, metallic. They Everything big. they release is number one. It's kind of crazy. The uh, most revealing thing I thought was towards the end. They're like, yeah, we did 30 tracks and we all voted on them. We liked four of them. Yeah. Jeez. Like, <laughs> out of 30. Yeah. It, and now Scott is the resident. I'm the resident Metallica I will check out everything they do, whether it's listen to it once. Really? Yeah, absolutely. It's always been that way for you. Yeah, I'll check out Metallica. I'll check. I checked out. I'll check out Metallica. A new Metallica record. Yeah, I always give it a spin. Yeah, oh, I like. It's never very good. No, it's always awful. Um, <laughs> I've had Load when it first came out. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had Reload. I remember when on the Allison Chains Unplugged record, they so we got a little buzz in the background. Interesting. I think that's the fridge. No, I don't know. It's a little buzz. Tight, tighten your, uh, do the tighten up. You can edit that Can out. you cut this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. But see, look at nothing changes. Um, so MTV, Alice in Chains Unplugged, there was a part where Metallica was in the audience and they were like, they told it, something about friends don't let friends cut their hair. I think they said that to them. That was, remember when Metallica cut their hair? That was a huge thing. Oh, yeah. See a lot of you see I, I'm I'm a I peru- I check out everything Metallica does. I remember haircuts, the, the haircuts. Yep, um, goatees. They have a James Hetfield's outfits. It was this reminds you of the show Orange County Choppers was huge at this time. Yeah, you can tell <laughs> it's just crazy because there's nothing cool about that now. <laughs> Bootcut jeans are in. Um, Von Dutch. He's wearing a Von Dutch hat, a Von Dutch shirt. So. Um, I guess we need to backtrack a little bit. We do, Because yeah. I, I just, rewatching this, I had so many thoughts. The first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is a music documentary. I'm going to learn some stuff. I'm going to see what it's like to make an album that was reviled. And I thought at the time, like, oh, Bob Rock seems like a pretty... Oh, my God. He was the worst. Really? You didn't get that? Anyway, not to interrupt, well, so go ahead and start over. So, well, I was going to say, the first time I watched it, I watched it as like, okay, documentary about Metallica and music. Mm-hmm. Fine. Second time was for this, and I was like, this is kind of like silly. This is really kind of a time capsule, because I probably watched it the first time probably in like 2005. It used to play on VH1 a lot, I think. So the time I watched it today, I was like, oh, every single aspect of this is absolutely fucking ridiculous. That's how I felt the first time watching it. It was so painful to sit through this for the first time. The (laughs) second time, I actually thought it was slightly more enjoyable, weirdly. I think because I knew what to expect and I mm-hmm. knew the moods that I was going to encounter from these four adult men when and the snap, egos. And Snapchatted me two straight minutes of Lars chewing gum. Yeah, that was the gum chewing really was I the worst part That didn't stick it. out to me. Whew, uh, you're lucky. Well, it's 2001 and this was like pre 9-11, but it, because his album didn't come out for like another 15 months, they kind of glossed over they didn't i don't know what when james hadfield left to go to rehab but it must have been a couple months after they started maybe a month i don't know it wasn't that long yeah, yeah. a month maybe and he must have been pretty messed up because he just vanished well he came back from russia mhm missed his son castor oils uh <laughs> birthday his son valvoline had, was celebrating his birthday that he named his son castor which castor oil right 
Is that what? Yeah, castor oils. But casters are also wheels, wheels that are under yeah. desks. and It's even a worse, <laughs> even worse name. But. Getting rolled on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, I, I guess, let's backtrack a little bit more. Okay. I just have so many thoughts about this. So on the third, re- the third watch, I, I kind of came to the conclusion, like, this is really dumb because the, and what threw it over the edge the music is so bad. The music it, is so bad. Because <laughs> you watch uh, any other documentary, the saving grace is that the music is usually like pretty good. And you kind of get insight. Even if you don't like it, you're getting insight into how they came about it. Yeah. Like with the Taylor Swift stuff, even if you don't love all the songs, you see where she's coming from. They seem heartfelt. Yeah. Then you watch James Hetfield write lyrics. <laughs> well, they all write <laughs> lyrics. It was it was Mad Libs or basically. <laughs> yeah. It's actually like a comedy documentary. I think it was really funny to watch it the second time around. Yeah, and I thought that when they showed Phil submitting a lyric, <laughs> that's I was my like, favorite part. All right, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves again. So Scott, why don't you describe? I have not watched this in two months. I did not. I could not force myself to go through a rewatch. See, I had, it was more in a, in the background, but so they decide to record this album. They're only they have three members. Their bassist is gone, so their producer Bob Rock mm-hmm. steps in to play bass for them on this album. In the meantime, the band is kind of unraveling mentally, emotionally. So they bring in this therapist who has worked with rock bands in the past yeah. to kind of get them over this hurdle. His name is Phil. He's paid $40,000 a week, 40 a month. 40 Gs a month. In 2001, which roughly equals $60,000 a month in today's dollars. And he kind of helps them through all of their issues. In the meantime, they're also being filmed. So all of this therapy and all of this process is being caught on film. And then James leaves and goes to rehab for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Right? Is I think he was probably in rehab for six months. I got the impression he was there for six months, and then he needed more time before he came back. Okay. Um, and he talked. He had some weird cavalier attitudes about booze before he went, talking about guzzling the vodka. Yeah. In Russia, and he hunting missed those poor bears that yeah. had just come out of hibernation and are the easiest target for anybody. Hey, yeah. that's that's how a man becomes a man: <laughs> yeah. killing defenseless wild animals. <laughs> ah, yeah, and and the now the the interpersonal stuff was interesting but it wasn't that interesting <laughs> because you get every like a casual music fan that grew up listening to like rock knows Lars Ulrich from the Napster debacle yeah they know Kirk Hammett because he's actually probably like the coolest one in the band just a guy trying to play guitar everyone knew uh, Jason Newstead was someone that got lucky enough to join the band because I I just remember when the Black Elm came out it was like I, he played with them before that, but I just remember when Black Elm came out. It was like the bass was really prominent on all those songs, and then you get James Hetfield. It was I remember him as getting into blues and stuff for Load and Reload, and how those albums were completely different. So, you know, they kind of focus on. Uh, there's no story with Kirk Hammett. There's nothing there. No, he's kind of just the rube of the documentary. Yeah. But he's also just the easiest going guy mm-hmm. in that bunch. You barely ever saw him lose his temper where the other two, Lars and James, were just you know, so having Kirk, meltdowns every other week. Kirk tried to be the glue, but he had no idea how to do it. And he just kind of got stepped all over. Yeah. Uh, but he was fine with that. He said, I've been fine with my role in the band cause he since is, it started. He's probably the most talented person in the group. 
But I, he also seen like his he only also had the lyric. He wrote the lyric that you texted us today. Oh, which one was that? <laughs> my lifestyle determines my death. Oh, he style. wrote that. I'm pretty oh, sure that, that was him. That's been a punchline for me for fifteen years, <laughs> longer than that. When I'm pretty t- sure he wrote that. I can't. Bl- I'm. I'm disappointed. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> when you talk about the interpersonal drama that's going on, mm-hmm. one of the things that is interesting is how even before we went to rehab everyone's really well versed in therapy speak yeah they they all it's all i feel and mm-hmm. you know they kind of listen and most of the time they don't get too upset at each other mm-hmm. and it's you know they've obviously all been through various stages of therapy and rehab and stuff before and that kind of comes out in a way where lars gets to be really eloquent at times he's a well spoken guy um he and a I've, huge asshole he's a huge <laughs> asshole um I liked his his uh, art collection, which uh, I just don't know how I feel about that. Because if I had tons of money, would I be that much of a douchebag? I'd have to imagine I'd be a bigger one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I would have art. I mean, you are wearing your regular glasses <laughs> and then your sunglasses on top of your hat uh-huh, inside. Yeah. Yep, that's true. And it's been dark since 6 p.m. Well, I have a image to protect, project for this. Um, my podcast style determines my broadcast style um not bad i think you can say uh well i just think it because La- i like when lars was out and about wearing his like tiny running shorts <laughs> or i couldn't keep up with his hairstyles he looked like eminem sometimes he had long like hair the green day singer billy joe he the- looked he just i couldn't time wise it threw me off yeah i mean there was a lot of time passing but yeah um, when he <laughs> goes to the auction with his Basquiat, is that how you say it? I think so. Uh, that was that was something. That was that was. Why wouldn't you cut that out? Do you really <laughs> want that in your documentary? What that you got five million dollars for one painting? Yeah, I mean it's it was embarrassing. <laughs> so Lars just goes and sells all of his paintings because he had a notion to, and he'd been collecting them obviously for decades. I would like to know what he paid. Yeah, a little before and after on the money thing would have been good because they only they mentioned some of the prices of the individual pieces but they didn't mm-hmm. get into what his total haul yeah, was yeah i think and it, it was had like to have 50 million tons of money so like when you collect you know jean how do you say his, what's his full name basquiat new right. york artist you know you just think cool hip and then this is what we get as the ins- <laughs> like this is what's in- listen to this this is sounds like me taking out the trash and I knock the fucking barrel over and the, the, it just rolls down the You're driveway. Battling a raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> this is just everything. And then I showed Scott today how Death Magnetic was the album after, was it? Or Hardwired to Self Destruct? It doesn't fucking matter. But they they botched the producing on that record too. The production's horrible. Every instrument is jacked up to the front of the mix. So if you turn it up, you're going to hit distortion eventually, and it happens first with the cymbals. Whereas... But the little side note on that album is Guitar Hero did a whole separate thing for it. So you Uh, play like just the album on Guitar Hero, and Guitar Hero separated out all the tracks. So on Guitar Hero, it sounds great. It sounds better than it does anywhere else you can find it. (laughs) Because it worked today. I I threw on Death Magnetic. Play the first track, and it's like classic Metallica, but it's still very phony in a way. And I'm like, this sounds like shit. And I, I was like, I go, the mix is fucked up. I got to get the background. 
go on Wikipedia and then I go down this little mini rabbit hole. And I was familiar with the Loudness Wars. There's like a, there's like 50 notable records that are like the mix is fucked up, and this and Death Magnetic was one of them. Up oh, here we go. <laughs> Pat, did we ever do have you sing Metallica during our I rock don't think band so. days? No, I don't think we were privy to that. That's probably good for your vocal cords. Probably. I mean, yeah. You don't want to waste this these pipes on something like that. <laughs> you ever get a hankering to still play rock band? Oh, yeah. Every six months or so? That's that's funny. you got to get the kids in it. I've thought, thought about it. It's a good idea. Yeah. I really... Those were some of the best times. They were fun. Jamming out in the little living Taking room. Taking it way too seriously. Five people. Spilling wine. Smashing away. Mm-hmm. Climbing trees. <laughs> uh, tonight, by the way, is the big tree Sam Black Church show oh, that we yeah. decided to that we talked about that on the last episode so this will be seamless for people well, it'll be like yeah. no time has passed but we the, the tree is doing like a full set tonight so I could have got tickets to it and you had I, one in your cart and you I, didn't oh, I had it again bullet. and I texted Scott I'm like we, we're not like the vibe was like just tell me you don't want to go so I don't have to fucking buy these and you were like no I don't think so I'm like alright good me neither where I think it. I probably would have went, would have had a, a, like 60 minutes of fun, bookended by a hassle of driving, parking, seeing people, smelling Where was people. It? The paradise. Mm. So, right about now, Tree is probably just showing up. Dave's probably all fucked up. Are you regretting your decision? To no regrets, no remorse. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm not regretting it because there's nothing that they're not doing anything we haven't no, seen. They're going to play four songs again. And their set list is so like. I, so when I went, to, I told this story. I went to Gillette a couple months ago to see. Uh, it was a Revs game, and the guy behind me had a tree shirt on, and I, you know, made it a point to be like, "That's so sick." And it was obviously old. And I said, "We talked about this show," and he, I was doing all the talking, and <laughs> he was. I go, "Yeah, they're just gonna play Paper and Question, Question Abuse because that's all they. Could, they're the two simplest songs, and you know, I." turn around and he just vanished so they found better seats so they just wanted to get away from me <laughs> but that's the life of a tree fan you know even when you find someone that likes them they're still you know you're still you and they still go away they don't want to talk about it I they guess. don't i would love to talk about any band you can you see me in public talk about whatever shirt i'm wearing <laughs> jersey it doesn't matter but i'm sure i'm sure sam black church will be good but tree yeah. was no way i know they rehearsed one time because i follow a few people that have a loose association with the band. Anyway, back to the documentary. So, even though we talked about the art, that comes up a little bit later. I think mm-hmm. they wanted to really show you how fucked up the band was before they got into the ego on all the, the a members. A lot of big, fragile egos yeah. on these guys. I didn't Understandably, realize- I guess, considering how much fame and money they have and mm-hmm. the image that they have to just try and uphold. Yeah, they were, they were one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah. They still are, touring-wise. I'm sure. Yeah, but just back then, 20 years ago? Yeah, I mean, they kind of... They got bigger when Load came out. I think because Black Album was so popular, the anticipation for Load, which came out, I think, in 96, was probably massive. And it didn't really matter what it was, but it was like rock music. It was like bluesy rock music. It was... I mean, remember the song Until Light Sleeps? Yeah. That song is... is song on repeat or is it just no, this long it's eight minutes it's long eight minutes, yeah oh my god yeah so the, the, both this and death magnetic are just like eight songs eight minutes each Jeez, it's it's a lot it's my nightmare now what do you have any what, what kids I, must I have been listening to metallica when you were a kid 
right? Oh yeah, my brother liked Metallica. Okay. Yeah, I know like their famous songs. Unforgiven Six. Do you know that song? Uh yeah. I just, no, I made they it up. Sing well, there's Unforgiven? Un- there's Unforgiven what? One and Two. Oh, I don't so know. So there's <laughs> there there might be an Unforgiven Three. It goes, and now you're unforgiven. <laughs> three. Did we make this joke before? That was, yeah, that was my that was my joke. Oh, way back because there is an unforgiven three. No, there is it really. <laughs> I think so. You're still unforgiven. <laughs> <laughs> unforgiven three. I remember when I heard that. When I heard unforgiven two, I literally thought it was the funniest. I'm like, you fucking <laughs> unforgiven well, now you know. two. Now we have yeah. inside like insight into how they write songs, so it all yeah, makes sense. Someone, some jokester threw an unforgiven two. <laughs> Yeah, there's an Unforgiven three. Oh my! I gotta give me. I gotta. I gotta listen to it. It's the. Un, it's on Death Magnetic, your favorite album. The Unforgiven three. I mean, you should have quit with two. You just can't make that kind of stuff up. <laughs> I gotta. So it's on Death Magnetic. Do you have any friends that still listen to Metallica? Not that I'm aware Can of. Can you imagine? Now Scott. Well, does. besides you, you listen to it today. <laughs> you listen to everything they do. You just said that. I know, but like, I don't really make a big deal out of it. He doesn't like it. <laughs> I I think of our friend Brad when I, well, your friend Brad, because he <laughs> listens to this without Brad, irony. Brad's old uh, AIM scream name was Cliff, Cliff Burton, Rocks. Burton Rocks. Oh, mm-hmm. rest in peace. Did he watch the doc, Brad? I don't think he had seen it. Hmm. You're unforgiven three. <laughs> Kind of sound like Leonard Cohen when I said that. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I almost thought I was. Jeez, I'm having an out of body experience. New new bit to work on. I know. I imagine your go to impression is <laughs> a Leonard Cohen impression. <laughs> yeah, this is dog shit. Um, and writing the lyrics is probably the funniest part of the documentary. It's right? so funny, yeah. And then seeing him try to sing them so sincerely. Oh, we, so why didn't you like Bob Rock? Bob Rock is the worst person he is the villain of this documentary he just you look at him and you can just see the dollar signs in his eyes that's all he cares about is this he tries to put up this facade about that he cares about these guys but he just wants to make money and he's so phony the way he says stuff like when james comes back from rehab and he sits down he's feeling nervous sits down puts the headphones on picks up the guitar and starts playing you can see him he's getting into a little bit of a groove groove bob rock goes over it and punches him on the shoulder and says I just gotta tell you there's no sound better in the world than hearing you playing that guitar in this studio right now love you brother and it was just so huh. cringeworthy I could see right through him Pat and I do not agree with you I thought like I thought he was pretty genuine no as, a, as the leader as the producer guy that's your job to make him happy that's all that is that's just regular coach speak but he just but then he would say things that would just stir shit up again like so, they were kind of in a groove and james was recording and then you know lars and james were having a good conversation and they were about to start again and bob goes oh hey by the way guys it's 15 minutes to four knowing that that's like a point of contention for mm-hmm. them at this point because James comes back from rehab and sets this work schedule that they can all only work 12 to 4 every day. That's his job. I thought he seemed like he was helping. I thought he was trying to keep them on task. So, Emily, your favorite scene in the movie is when Kirk tells him that James just thinks of him as a piece of shit that's there to make money and that he sucks at music and he shouldn't be there. Like, he's not friends with him at all. Did that happen in the movie? 
Yeah. Right? I, for, I didn't. I don't remember that. When he's at rehab, Kirk is talking. Oh, to yeah, Bob, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's, he goes, he's, like, it was, basically goes like, I don't think of you at all. Like, he kind of gives him that. But that's, that's. He's like, we're not friends. You're you're the producer. Like, it's, I, I don't miss you. I don't know. At the end, James was crying at the thought of Bob leaving well, when they he, hired the new bassist. That was later on. Yeah. I, thought I don't know. I just James didn't like Bob. James had a lot of fear of abandonment from his childhood because I think his parents divorced and his dad left him. And that's why he was. They should have. Metallica should have broke up a long time ago. Did Bob Rock want to be asked to be the full time bassist? Definitely. Yes. But he's not cool enough. 100% no. Yeah. <laughs> he's too old, too. I mean, he produced. I'm looking. He produced American Hi Fi, self titled. So this is the mentality he's coming at. So he's playing bass with these guys for a year. He writes this album, and then they start putting out the search for a new bassist. And Bob Rock has to chime in and say, in my honest opinion, I don't think you guys will ever find another permanent bassist. Yeah, that was definitely trying to finagle his way in. Right. I, I agree with you there. But he that's was, just a guy. That's an old man trying to stay hip with the... Yeah, he's wearing his uh, boot-cut jeans, his hair. <laughs> I don't know. I liked him. I don't know how it works being a producer. Does the record label pay you... Do you have to help with the deadline? Those uh, dynamics were not clear at all yeah. with no. anybody. That's what I mean. He's all about the dollar sign, and I could see it. He wasn't really in it for the music until maybe the end when he wanted to be asked to be the bassist full-time. Based on the sum of all the parts, I don't think there was anybody there for the music. The music <laughs> sucked. <laughs> and there's, I find, I guess the whole... But they thought they were, you know, like... Do you really think... Lars is so invested in their music... To the point he's where he's the weakest having link. You think so? Oh, no, he's, he's a, a terrible drummer. He's fine. He's terrible. He's fine. The music calls for him to hit the drums really hard. That's what he does. But he's fine. I think that he stinks. Okay. I'm de- that's just me. I, I have mean, one more question about Bob Rock. Okay. Is that his real name? I think it is. No, it's Robert Rock. <laughs> now, let's see. <laughs> Um, yeah, Robert Jens Rock. He's a Canadian musician. He's produced Our Lady Peace, 311, by Michael Bublé. I mean... I need a history of this name, Rock. I did enjoy when the, the header higher-up poncho came and listened to it. And and it was, was like just kind of like... He, he felt weird <laughs> this isn't, about it. He's like, this isn't great. <laughs> and Lars's dad thought it sucked, too. I think yeah. he was joking. I rewatched it again. Either he was joking about the entire thing, or he made a joke at the very end. Because Lars was like, yeah, Cliff Bernstein said that this should uh, be the lead track on the album. And it was like some terrible like feedback. mixed. It sounded like uh, it was like outer space. And it was like, oh, it was really bad. And I remember that part in the record. And I was like, yeah, this is all terrible. You should have listened to Torben, Torben Ulrich. <laughs> his dad was a tennis pro really yeah i think i think lars grew up really wealthy yeah he's he had to have. like you don't get the, both of their looks just scream yeah le- leisure mm-hmm. uh-uh. <laughs> the uh yeah leisure <laughs> can we talk dave mustaine for a second clearly a damaged individual who was in metallic for one year and it's uh, ruined his entire life it really did and I felt bad for Lars because Lars had to like put, he couldn't, he had to like listen to what Dave was saying, but I think he was incorrect on all fronts because I think if you ask a casual rock fan, they do not remember that Dave Mustaine was in Metallica. No, I really didn't. Also, I I think he just was putting a lot on 
the other members of the band to sort of take care of him. Like he clearly had a drug and alcohol problem. And he said to Lars, I wish you all had said to me, you need to go to rehab and I would have done it and my life would have been better. You can't put that kind of pressure on your friends who are also there drinking, yeah, partying with you. Literally in the second biggest heavy, like top three heavy metal band ever, Megadeth. It's like Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer. Those are like the three biggest bands. So you did okay, Dave. He did do okay, <laughs> but he really seemed... He just seemed there like... There was yearning, there was hurt. Yeah, I just didn't get it, though. Like, I was a little disappointed he didn't get the, the James meeting later on in the movie. Yeah, that would. I don't think it made sense for James to go back. No, that, it, it was really, that he would was, probably just hurt him. Yeah, and what's he going to be like? Yeah, I, shouldn't, I was fucked up, too, and I shouldn't have kicked you out. Like, I don't know. It was... I could have gone for some tears. But. The dynamic wasn't there for Dave Mustaine to be in the band. I'm sorry. As a sort of a historian of heavy metal music and thrash metal, I don't see how Mustaine and Hetfield could have coexisted. What do we think of the process of writing a whole album, finishing it, and then hiring a bassist? Well, I think... They got forced into hire a bassist right away because they got the MTV Icon Award. Mm-hmm. So That bassist is still in the band, by the way. Yeah. I like him too. He's a so Bob Rock was wrong again. Trujillo, yeah, he's he was in suicidal tendencies. Um, I they're a thrash metal band too, with kind of like funk, kind of like a heavier, uh, like Red Hot Chili Peppers. I, I don't know. I I think they were so they should have broke up. I think there was no point in them going on except for the money. Metallica, yeah, like James Hetfield could have had a solo career. I don't know what Laura's would have done. Maybe a politician in some capacity. <laughs> God, I hope Like a not. libertarian. He could have done a lot of stuff. He, he's got enough money to do whatever he wants, and he's smart enough. Yeah, like while he is an asshole and he seems very phony, I did like listening to him. I don't think he seemed phony. He went all in on Napster when he should have bailed, when he realized that it was going to, like... Yeah, the, but the he, he believed that. It's not like he was trying... And he still wasn't wrong about it. It's just it was an... Somebody was going to take the fight to Napster, and he wanted he was going to be that guy. If you think about it, everybody is always, when it comes to streaming music, no one has ever been right. If you think about how companies and record labels and all that approach streaming music, it was like, oh, we're going to charge you per song. Oh, we're going to charge you per album. Okay, look where we're at now. You pay $10 a month, and you get everything. Yeah. It might as well be free. Like, they fucked up every step of the way. Yeah, it's a mess. So I, I think that Lars could have, he just should have bailed on it, to be honest. But he couldn't. He dug in. And he killed Napster. What happened? Triple. Oof. So, we get a little uh, playoff atmosphere baseball going on. Yeah, Red Sox 0-0. Zero, zero. Pat, I'm now realizing our error with reconfiguring. That's all right. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, Lars, I like him. I, I, I would have liked to see him. Maybe the Lars talk show. A Lars Ulrich talk show. <laughs> I will say what I appreciated about this documentary was that it showed a new side of Metallica that, again, to bring up our favorite dudes rock, mm-hmm. you know, it showed that they guys can be emotional and they can share their feelings. And this is the biggest heavy metal band in the world. And here they are like crying with each other during therapy sessions. I yeah. appreciated that. So, did you watch the second edition of the documentary the too? Yes. You too, Patrick. I did. I don't remember the demarcation point between that and the in like ten years. Okay, but so they did talk about how rock groups were kind of like, "What are you doing showing this side of it?" You know, yeah. that's not metal. Yeah, and so that part of it 
is different and it it definitely works pretty well in in movie form i don't know how it reflects in the overall schema of mill i think at any maturation point i mean they're the fact that they stayed together for as long as they did and in, t- in 20 years ago is a is crazy yeah and they all seem like they're friends like they didn't you know i, I think Lars and James are tight, and I think Kirk is just seems like he's happy to be there. He lets everything roll off his back, but there was actual friendship there. Bands break up all the time, but yeah. I think because that they probably were all in rehab at one point or another, they never ex- explicitly said that. I don't uh, know. Maybe I just I think they all. I mean, I know they've all they all did hard drugs. Sure. Um, Who didn't? If you're in rehab and stuff, you do learn various coping skills and have to talk to your friends and family about certain things so like it probably helped along the way but you know it is i think that that aspect of jason newstead he was younger he probably didn't go through the same things and he also was of the mindset it was that he doesn't want to get into feelings like and he did his band echo brain which i thought they stunk yeah i'm sorry bad. but like the metallica group people there were like oh man this is pretty good like there's yeah. nothing we good need about jason it. back yeah lars was having another meltdown because he went to go can't see keep my band together yeah the f- metallica's yeah. the past echo, jason's the future echo brain <laughs> yeah they didn't like let's for all of our fans that want to know what echo brain was jason newstead's little side project they became his full-time band that never quite made it oh they i was even when I saw that, like I had never heard Echo Brain, but when they that point, I'm like, I paused it. I'm like, I want to listen to Echo Brain because I just was curious, and they don't have a lot of. The song's called Jelly Neck. Those like what? What uh, year? My brain's echoing. <laughs> oh, got a bad headache. This was 2000, 2001. Okay. This this record came out in 2004. This to me is like funk, like like a real weak, lame version of like Fishbone or Red Hot Chili Peppers meets Our Lady Peace or something. It's very dull. There's nothing going on here. <laughs> Lars was like, they're a band together. I'm going to have a meltdown. <laughs> yeah. It's very strange. I would advise anyone who wants to watch this documentary, and I don't think anybody really needs to watch it, but I would advise people to watch the second installment first. It's 30 minutes. It's essentially, in my mind, like a 30-minute trailer for the two-hour doc that you Mm -hmm. are going to watch. And I think it it, um, presents a lot of intrigue and makes you sort of want to watch it. Whereas if you just sit down and start this doc, it's sort of torture at times. I think it's... What are you going to say, Scott? No. Uh, it's torturous because it's very, why is this on film meets the end product is terrible meets there's no redeeming, there's the arc of redemption is failure, artistic failure. Mm. That's the thing that they never get to or have to address is mm-hmm. that the album is shit. Yeah, it was like. <laughs> like it, it ends as them being the MTV thing and a triumphant and then no one liked the album. It was terrible. Yeah. It was pretty. And they never have to reckon with that. No. And I think to be surprised at the backlash from that record is kind of crazy too, because like there's no guitar solos. The drums sound like shit. The vocals are abominable. Like (laughs) a lot of growling. The takes of him 
like just holding a mic, like doing a podcast style vocals, those are better than what actually makes up makes it on the record. And those were not good. No, it's quite crazy. Um, where does this rank in your pantheon of documentaries? Like, have, what's music you, docs? Yeah. Um, like the ones that we watch for this pod, or in general? Yeah, like the ones we've watched for the pod. Probably last. I'd say dead last. Definitely not dead last. What would be dead last? No, actually, I like the the, bro, the um, Daniel Johnston one. Oh, the doc was. But fine. you didn't. You didn't like. I didn't like the music. But there was some real. Uh, uh, the Ringer did their music docs thing, and Rob Harvilla had this is his number one. He loves it. I wonder what was the last time he watched it. Really, we, I forget what it was. Scott and I. I don't know, Pat. Did you watch Summer of Soul? No, I didn't. That was very good. And yeah. I was reminded of it today at work. Someone was asking about it. I heard it wasn't work. good. I think we talked about this. You heard wrong. Yeah, you had heard some review of people that you admire. Yes. That didn't like it. So you're like never going to watch it. <laughs> well, but sure. being reminded of that and rem- remembering how enjoyable that was and then watching this, I was like, this is, it's maybe only for fans of Metallica. Or fans of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like, Think of the Descendants one. There was like unmitigated joy around every corner. Right. Everything they did was a hit as far as every move they made. But that's a movie encapsulating the whole career, you know. If yeah, you, that's true. That's a good point. How many albums did that cover? 20? <laughs> yeah, 10 from each band. You know? <laughs> so this is just focused on one shitty album. The but it's not about album. the album. It, it's about the band. So I just, I don't think you can look at it in the same way. I'm surprised that, see, like, I guess with music docs, I, I need to be like, either I'm going to, either it's like super interesting and I don't care about the music mm-hmm. or I love the music. So I'm automatically going to like the documentary. Right. Like if there was. And this wasn't interesting enough for you to overcome your lack of. No, it was very cringy. It was very cringy. Very cringeworthy. Hmm. And. The early 2000s, not a good look for reality documentary style TV. No. Really bad quality. Uh, wasn't widescreen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pat's <laughs> Cardinal Sin. That is, a letterbox to me is the, the worst thing you can do. I mean, if you ever, every time I throw a movie on that me and Scott talk about, if it's in letterbox and I didn't know about it, I'm going to tell them. I get an immediate text. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Uh, views. Yeah, the like the aspect the of the show. I'm yeah. sixteen nine till I die. Um, every so often, like the movie mid nineties is scrunched. Uh, what else is scrunched? <laughs> is the car? I bet uh, the Lighthouse Reformed yeah. was scrunched. The Lighthouse is right. The Lighthouse is scrunched because I can't watch it. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> he can, he does, and he likes it, but he just bitches about it for the first. I just 10 try to seconds. get a taller TV. <laughs> I I stretch my TV out. The uh, last thing I wanted to say about Metallica is that second thirty minute documentary is a preview for the 3D movie that they shot called yeah. Through the Never. Now, you've seen that in the theater. So me and Brad went to go see it in the theater, in IMAX. It was fucking great. We had a great time. Um, if you like just old Metallica music, it's it's great. It's watching them play all their hits. Uh, there's a little narrative through line about a kid with a gas canister going through the streets with people hanging and it's a if you like metallica that's worth a watch through the never never gonna fucking see it <laughs> <laughs> norm mcdonald died wasn't that sad that was sad um 
we we should have had a Norm tribute show. We could have done that, but yeah, maybe for the next celebrity that dies. Um, so I guess if you like this podcast, you'll hate the Metallica thing. <laughs> um, I had a couple of Pat McDonough style notes. Okay. Um, let's see. Phil writing lyrics. We already talked Amazing. about that. That was the best scene. And I on his website, it said he is a musician. So I didn't care to look into it any further. No, I don't want to know any more about Phil. I okay. just want to keep him it's in It's hard mind to accurately describe Phil without <laughs> seeing like, I think the third his time dumb face. His bad dye job. His great sweaters. He wears great thr- sweaters. Uh, well, the, second, the third time through, I was like, he does have good advice. Yeah. Just that everyone's in th- overload of like cliches and slogans that they don't really work, especially when I think Lars is probably too smart and James is like too fucked up at the time. Because you're in rehab and you come back in over a year, like you're gonna have all your little tools in your sober tool toolkit toolkit, and you're gonna have have already gone through various forms of like Al-Anon and family right. therapy. So it just. It was overload. And yeah. They could have focused on him a lot more, and I'm glad they didn't. Well, what you learned in the second installment is that Phil was hated by the public after this documentary aired. Hmm. People hated Phil, which I didn't really get. He was just kind of trying to oh, I get it. help out. and he had, It was Bob a job. Bob Rock was worse. What's, no. Yes. No. No. We're going to do a Bob Rock redemption <laughs> episode. Bob, Bob Rock wasn't making a half mil a year. He probably was. I'm but sure he was. Phil had a track Maybe. record that that was pretty good. And Q Prime Management was one of the biggest management companies at the time. So it's like they hired him. Uh, I don't think he was a hired gun. He was doing a job. Phil. Yeah. Or Phil. Bob. Phil. Phil. Yeah. But Phil was definitely trying to join the band, too. <laughs> Toward the end, he was trying to join yeah. the band. He starts wearing sunglasses indoors. I loved it. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> what Phil. else? And then, uh, let's see. I wrote Lars in a bucket hat. I think it's he been bars. a while since I've seen a bucket hat. They're, they're big right now. They're back. They are back. There's, be- a, probably be- there's a beautiful world bucket hat going around. Have you seen it? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. What's that? Beautiful world. The new Sally Rooney book. Oh, okay. It's bright yeah. yellow. I was on Reddit and they someone had a thing called the worst books we, I've ever read and normal people was on there. Yeah, I think it's a loved or hated book. Really? It's one of those I was, divisive. I liked it. Yeah, I huh. loved it. Um, let's see. Floods of Vomit. That was a lyric that I just stuck out in my mind, I guess. Was that a Phil Towley lyric? <laughs> Maybe. They should have why? Phil contribute. Like, why? Why would you write that? The, I, and sing about it. So, let me go to my... Floods of Vomit. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what you growl. I wrote... A f- here's a few of my favorite lyrics. Well, you hit me... With, I'll give you one of my favorite lyrics. Okay. Um, Saint Anger Around My Neck. And then it's you flush it out, you flush it out. Like, what the fuck is that? It's a toilet. Um, they were loving when he was singing that, too. It was like the first thing they did, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some kind of monster. Ominous. I'm in us. Um, like, that's good. <laughs> they try really hard, and the results aren't You're there. defending them. Not the lyrics. I do uh, feel kind of no. bad, like, shitting on their lyrics, because I can't write lyrics either, but it just... No, but the you lyrics him, and the music don't match up. He comes up with lyrics, so we, I come up with screen names and look around <laughs> the room until I find Theraflu. a ball of Theraflu. Yeah, well, at one point he was like, I need, I just need a word that rhymes with mine. I need something that rhymes with mine. 
And so they're like brainstorming. It's only 800 choices. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Lars says landmine. And that makes it into the song. Something about spine makes it in. Well, they admitted during the Black Album that they would, this isn't in the doc, but they would come up with song titles, then write the lyrics, which to me <laughs> is a cardinal fucking sin. So like when I heard boxing that. Boxing yourself in. That's like, I. the only thing I can compare to that is remember when I was a little kid, we're talking like early 90s. I asked my grandfather if he liked Jose Canseco. And this was pre-Sabermetrics. My grandfather was like, no. He tries to hit a home run every time he's up. And I was like, yeah, that is bad. You should probably try to use the whole field. It just reminds me of like coming with a song today, like, sad but true. Let's go to town. Like, <laughs> I could probably do that with a prompt. Nothing else matters. Let's do it. <laughs> Unforgiven 3? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Worst case, just uh, add another yeah. numeral. Enter Sandman 2. The next night. Uh, did this make you want to listen to Metallica? No, but it did sort of make me wonder how many of their songs I actually know. So I did go on to their Spotify and, and see what I, I could I remember. And there's their, a like, lot more than I thought. Yeah, I love their 20 best songs or so. I never really... I, the first song I ever heard was One. That was the first song I ever heard by Metallica. Unforgiven One? <laughs> <laughs> no, just One. About, I think, a Vietnam vet. Do, do you know the song? I'll play a little bit of it. That's like I can on, only on, think of the U2 song. On through the never, like they have the visuals and there is everything's war torn. Yep. Two four guys that never fucking served. <laughs> Every song is about the war. It should be stolen valor. Yeah, this is one. Hold my breath as I wish for death. This is a cool oh, song. Oh yeah, I know the song. Yeah. Yeah, you know a lot. Yeah. They're just there's tons of good songs, but they've been they've been around for forty if, years. If that's the that's the takeaway here. How did you guys feel about the final video recording? So they make a video and they go and sing live to a prison. Oh, I thought... <laughs> was it pandering slightly? Well, I didn't get I that at all. They, I remember when they did that. Um, you tried to get tickets? Yeah, I tried to get tickets. <laughs> I drove my car in the woods and they let me right in. Um, no, I, I remember when like, MTV did a thing for the video and it was really weird. I thought you were going to bring up when they did the like the fan appreciation Oh, oh the, yeah. when they all could come yeah. out and play bass, that was maybe the most cringeworthy of all. I disagree. See, I, yeah, I like that. I, I don't know. I'm the in. second the f- time around, it was fine. The first time around, I was like having to watch through my fingers. But it's crazy that they like let. They're such a huge band, and they let their fans do that. Yeah, it was fun. It was it definitely been fun staged. to see how excited is, people were. That's also the era of mailing clubs that you're paying x yeah. amount of dollars per month to be like, in you had a message board yeah but so you're getting this invitation amongst a thousand people and if you're mm-hmm. in the area you get to go or whatever i thought it was cool i mean they, it was yeah. definitely cool and they were having a good time it was just you know sometimes these super sincere fans it's like they might ask me to be in the band like that sort oh, of oh i'm sure that was with the, the point was crossing in a way. <laughs> yeah no that, but that's just it's a fantasy camp yeah but it's also like did you ever get the impression that they like low with their fans? Like, do you think Lars would hang out with his fan? Like, if his three biggest mm. Lars fans were at a bar, Lars would like hang out with them for more than five seconds. Depends on how badly his ego needs to be massaged for a bit. I did like how after Trujillo's first like night, Lars took him out and just made him drink till six in the morning, and then brought him back the next day to see if he could hang. Yeah, so that's something you learned in the second part of the deck. that's in the second part okay yeah so oh yeah because they hire right at the end yeah <laughs> so th- that was funny yeah metallica 
who needs them? I think yeah. that's the takeaway. <laughs> what are we going to watch a next thing? We haven't even talked know. about that. I need to like clear the because t- this has been on my mind for a while, and I, I need something to clear the taste out. I need that Beatles doc, the Peter Jackson one. November. Ah, can't wait. Cannot wait. Scott's Beatles month. Six episode documentary. We should just talk about that each episode. Let's do it. Um, Scott's going to be on paternity leave. Yeah. <laughs> do you get that? There we go. <laughs> All right. Let's. Do you want to take a break or you just want to go right into the buzz? Let's just take a break. I think that's pretty much it for the doc. 40 minutes on a doc that we all <laughs> kind of were in It's a long doc. Deal. Yeah, so. There's good stuff to talk about in it. Yeah. It's all, it's all like just punchlines, though. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be back and you can. Listen to this sweet Kirk Hammett solo. This is. <laughs> she did, but I gave her the hint. Oh. Yeah, I was gonna say it. That's it. Let's pretend my head was a radio. <laughs> Are you excited for uh, Amnesia Kiddie? What's it called? Kidesiac? Is that what it is? I don't know. I, I'm mildly excited. I mean, their reissues are so big that it takes forever to get through. Yeah, it's just tons of B sides. Yeah, and usually they're really good, so it's not something you can just like burnt like a you gotta listen to it yeah well we're back after we all took showers we're feeling dirty (laughs) from some kind of monster which the only i did like the title some kind of monster when he came up with it that stroke of brilliance the only one in the whole (laughs) doc yeah it's a good title do you like the song no i I listened to it probably three times today it's growing on me (laughs) should i become a metallica fan i have a few on death magnetic that i kind of like uh, the first lie. track's not bad. Yeah. I was thinking about how we're the official podcast of fall because we pop we? up like a spirit Halloween storm. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, we fill the void of other podcasts that you can't listen to. Yeah. Um, and we dress up every time, right? Scott's dressed up as a guy that wears a long sleeve shirt right now. Mm-hmm. Inside out. Inside out. He and I are both wearing black. I'm wearing blue and I have a DD. We're, we're uh, surrounding a black cat. Mm-hmm. So... Very Halloween. Halloween spirit. Yep. So the Buzzcocks, mm-hmm. the forefathers of pop punk, perhaps. Um, we decided to pick an album that I didn't realize was a <laughs> compilation album. That's it all right, did, though. It was the first U.S. release okay. for them, I believe. Now, the reason... Single, singles Going Steady. Great who, name. Who could have known that it was just a whole bunch of singles put together? <laughs> I know. Not me. Um. I picked this album because, I don't know, it felt like a document that needed to be listened to. Uh, Is this another band that you felt like you should like, but you never got I, into? I think I'm under the delusion that because I like really like The Replacements and Who's Could Do, mm-hmm. is that I owe it to myself to like backtrace bands that I like, but I don't think I like pop punk as much as I think I do. Were you trying to go for the Sex Pistols and you mixed up your phallic punk names? I did. I might have. Oh, Sex Pistol. I never even knew that was a 
a placeholder for the a male sex organ. That's interesting. <laughs> Did you know that? Uh, maybe at some point, but it's not the yeah, first thing that I'm, comes to mind. I'm like Scott. I'm not an orgasm addict. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's better than the joke I was going to say before. Great riffs the Buzzcocks have. It's extremely catchy. Yeah. Um, this was in a movie. I can't remember which. Do you know what it is? No. There ah. are a few of these that I was thinking this was in a movie or a commercial. Yeah. Not this one. They're, all, they're, they're so quick and punchy. You can They'll fit in anywhere. Pete Shelley was a genius. Everyone loved him. When he died a couple of years ago, people were devastated. Um, I could have given a shit. I didn't go back and listen to Buzzcocks. Um, yeah, but you asked me, we're kind of talking about like why I picked them, and it was like, I don't know, I felt like I owed it to the band. I mean, they, they, they needed me to chime in. Yeah. Um, Many years after the fact. Yeah. No, it, I, I really liked it. I, I think this album's great. This falls in the area for me where the stuff... I know it's a co- compilation, but like the albums don't do much for me. But on a playlist, it always hits the spot. Yeah, it it pops up on my like Spotify recommends every mm-hmm. now and then, and I always enjoy it. Yeah, but not enough to like seek them out and do a full back catalog. So this yeah. is a good little experiment. So I think so. This song "Orgasm Addict" I think is their first single, which it's an interest, interesting way to introduce yourself in the mid 70s it's true and it didn't get any radio play obviously yeah no shock there <laughs> and it didn't really sell well at all but it's not a bad tune it's a great it kind of is like the weird bridge between pub rock and punk because and like punk i mean like you know you said sex pistols um it's less accessible than the clash but maybe I that's because how fast it is but they do kind of straddle that line especially throughout this album of singles where they have this song they have oh shit where it's a little more brash it's a little more risque i think but then they have the other songs that are kind of just pseudo punk love ballads yeah you don't get 2000 light years away without buzzcocks i mean there was a lot of i heard a lot of bands in this when i was listening um, the Strokes, definitely. Hmm, Violent Femmes. I get Violent Femmes. They were even, they went even in a weirder direction where they definitely took the song structures, but like, I think Violent, Violent Femmes purposely avoided melody at, almost at times. Yeah. They went in the opposite direction. But yeah, this song rules too. Which love, song is this? This oh is Oh Shit. shit. You want oh. music breathe a little? Yeah. This is the general pace I like my punk at. That's fair. I like mine more of like Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous by Good Charlotte. <laughs> That's where I like mine to be. A little, little more mainstream. Um, yeah, like, I think my thoughts would have been more fresh back in August. But like, I mean, Ever Fallen in Love is, that is a, a classic song. I love that song. That's a, just a, a good rock song. Yeah. It is really good. Do you know where their name comes from? Um, he, I don't know. Uh, so Buzz, <laughs> <laughs> Buzz is just the excitement of playing on stage. And cock in Northern English slang means friend. Huh. 
Buzz friends. Just uh, no, have them a good time with your friends on stage. Excitable yeah. friends. Interesting. I didn't know that. You're a good cock, Pat. Thank you. You too, buddy. <laughs> I thought I don't want to say my joke. I'm I'm too <laughs> I'm too wise nowadays to say it. Um, this was a good palate cleanser for fucking Metallica, though. Yeah, it was. I'll play "Ever Fallen in Love with Someone." I've been listening to this album three or four times a week since you know August. Wow. So you, you do? I've I've heard it quite often. You do give the music the respect it deserves. I don't always do that. Nor do I. Um, I was on a big all. I've been listening to all, all the time. I've been watching Dear Zachary, the documentary. I'm in a weird place. I don't know Dear Zachary. Have you, have you ever seen Dear Zachary? No. That's the one where the, ah, it's like the most brutal documentary of all time. I'm going to need a little more. Um, it's filmed by this guy, Zach. Zachary was a son. The guy was killed by his girlfriend and the girlfriend was pregnant had the baby and she was never convicted of killing him and then she killed herself and killed the baby Dear why Zachary, are you watching this it's comforting and you're re-watching <laughs> it no there was a it there was a i read a thing on defector today about it and it kind of just remind i've seen it a couple times but defector talked about it today hmm. okay and it, they, they kind of put under comfort movie <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> all right I guess we're kind of lucky that we never had to listen to uh, Kanye West record for this because, woof, that was bad. Yeah, Emily already lucked out there. I did. No Donda. I don't think I would have been able to do it. I mean, uh, you would have tried. There's not much to talk about. <sighs> yeah, uh, you're right. You want to hear a little funny story that I figured out the, uh, yesterday? I'm watching Mad Men, right? Mm-hmm. And, wa- and I was like, oh, yeah, John Hamm was in rehab. So I decided to research that. And uh, right after it finished filming, he went to rehab. And I was like, okay. And then, I, I don't know what my search terms were, but do you know that he was involved in college in a horrific hazing accident where he is frat and he led the hazing of a student? No. And the student was like hurt, suffered spinal problems, dragged him around by his testicles with a claw hammer. Now... John Ham, I'm, I'm saying it now. You're John, canceled, buddy. John Ham, Ham. <laughs> oh, John Ham. Okay. What is Ham? Ham, whatever. I found that to be very shocking last night. That is shocking, but eh, not college. that surprising that he has made it as far as he has as a good-looking white guy. That's true. Like, He's very handsome. Yeah, he is. Um, that just threw me for a loop last night. Hmm. All right, great story. Um, <laughs> Buzzcocks. Play Everybody's Happy Nowadays. Okay. That's the song that I feel like sounds like last night, just the intro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if yeah, it was yeah. going to be like, if we were gonna, if it was going to be the drums that was standing out or the guitar. guitar. This sounds like every little Albert Hammond riff he ever did. Yeah. Def- I wonder if they could get him to say it on record if he was influenced. I don't know. Because I kind of think of Strokes as more... I guess I don't know Rock Yeah I don't know Strokes was a big record I got that record And uh, Let's talk more rock From Propaganda On the same day Big, big day for you Very big Yeah Sean Noyes At Roach Brothers Gave them to me Burned copies Oh so you didn't go buy them No 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 no, no. 
The last talk had already been out for like six years, but... Lars is going to be coming for you next. It's all right. I'm not afraid. I hope he's over himself by now. <laughs> no. Yeah, I like the song. I think this is in a commercial, though. I'm pretty sure. Ah, oh, we got to f- figure it out. Prozac commercial? Maybe. I was thinking more like an iPod commercial or something. Oh, an iPod. Jeez. <laughs> this is... You must have saw that commercial you were watching some kind of monster on VH1. <laughs> it's been a long time since I heard the name iPod. Well, I haven't had regular TV for many years, so oh. those are my reference points for commercials. I'm living down here. Oh, the cat is stretching out. Yeah, I'm enjoying the streaming life down here. I, I just don't have much to say about the Buzzcocks. I don't either. I think... They're good. They're, they're great good. in a playlist. Yeah. The uh, I wanted to hear something's gone wrong again. Which is towards the end of the album. Okay. They started including songs where they kind of loop themselves a lot. Yeah. That's cool. Why can't uh, which, I touch it before that as well? Yep. Something's gone um, wrong again. I thought this had a bit of a Talking Heads vibe to it as it went along. Because this is like five and a half minutes long. It's like heavy metal before heavy metal. You know, one of Scott's singing it. One of my reference points for like albums that go this far back are like the first replacements full length. Where what it was, year was that? Seventy uh, nine, I want to say. Let me double check. They're reissuing it. It comes out this month. This was seventy six. Is that right? I don't know. The this was released in seventy seven, but I don't know. All the songs gonna come out anytime. Yeah, yeah. Ten years before that. It was 81. Sorry, Ma, I forgot to take out the trash came out. I'm and sorry, it released in 79. 79. That's, 79 and 81 seem like they're 10 years apart for some reason. That yeah. seems like such a big... Because the 80s were so crappy, yet the like, 77 is considered one of the best years of music ever. Yeah, it really is. The 80s are not all crappy. I, I think they're getting a, a fresh... This part's cool. I really uh, I like this collection of singles. Now, did you listen to any of the new stuff? I did not. I did. I didn't. It's fine. I how, think how new are we talking? Two thousand three. Like, no. Why would we? Why would we go there? <laughs> it was like their last album that came out. Uh, ooh, they have a thing called uh, Buzzcocks Remasters. Uh, I can't go through this, but. I think they tried to cash in on they, the review I read talked about Rancid and Good Charlotte and I'm like I don't hear Rancid in these guys Rancid was more Clash and the specials to me there's no Scott in this no there's not but it's very pop punky yeah not necessarily this song this is like a dirge how, how do you say that a funeral dirge yeah uh oh don't tell Lars Car solo. <laughs> Let me. I just want to bring up a quick aside that I wanted okay. to talk about. I don't know how we can edit this out if it's too stupid. Um, uh, this is the 32nd episode of the podcast. That's it's wild. Yeah, I, if that number's accurate, I have no idea. Did you hear the story about Phoebe Bridges? No. 
she's being sued for $3.8 million by an alleged ex-threesome partner who claims she falsely accused him of killing a man. It's not a threesome stuff <laughs> on your dock tonight. Yeah, there, I just noticed that. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I thought it was themed. It's yeah, <laughs> three of us. Should we hire Phil for the podcast? <laughs> Phil Towley to come in here? You got we, the 40 grand a month? He can come in for two seconds. I have that kind right. of money. <laughs> Wonder, I want to know what he's up to now. What what other bands did he save? He'd be dead. He was he had to be fit late fifties in that, oh, right? Th- we would know if Phil Tolly was alive. Oh yeah, he'd be playing a big obit, <laughs> some kind of monster at his funeral. I, I'm I have to look for the, the people want to know. I can't imagine anybody that listens to this gives a flying fuck about they definitely Metallica. Don't. I feel bad. I just it is entertaining to me. What? I got to stop picking things that I should just watch on my own time. Uh, next week, we're going to do The Card Collector and <laughs> Many Saints in Newark. What? I can't stop calling it The Card Collector. It's The Card Counter. I've said it wrong every single time. I don't even know what you're talking about. So. Card Counter is the new Paul Schrader movie starring Oscar Isaac. Uh, William Defoe. Is uh, it a poker movie? It, yes, but also a, he's a veteran who did a bit of torturing. Okay. A little bit. Guantanamo style. And Phil Tally's still around. So don't worry about that. We're going to have to <laughs> plan the Phil Towley tribute show. So we're going to hire him? That's the, the plan? Get him I, over here. I know. He starts submitting topics to the podcast, <laughs> throwing in lines. <laughs> Phil, shut the fuck up. Passing you a little note on the sly. You're like, it's a lot of threesome talk tonight. Thanks, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Good job. Let's examine that. No, Phil, we're not doing that. I can't talk about my personal life. Um. Stevie Van Zandt was addicted to threesomes, so that's why. Supposedly. <laughs> yeah. Te- temporarily. I need threesome, or I'm going to die. Just temporarily. Yeah, I, that's just, they're trying to get a little Sopranos press, because th- there's a John Magaro, you know that actor? Mm, no. You see First Cow? Yes. He's the, the, the baker in First Cow. Okay. He plays Silvio Dante in the new Sopranos movie. Um, are you going to watch it? No. Scott? I never watched The Sopranos. Nope. <laughs> I think you should. Just I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. I don't care at all. It's weird you would take that stance on a TV show just to just not. I think we've been over this, but I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> I think it's funny, but there are shows that I won't watch. So I'm definitely not just gonna watch the movie. Oh, that would see that That's would really be aggravating. <laughs> yeah, I said that like three months ago. I'm like, just watch the movie and like pontificate on it as it's yeah. a standalone story. <laughs> Write a review. You don't mention the Sopranos at I, all. I feel like there's something missing <laughs> here. Pat, is Sopranos your favorite show? No. Scott knows my favorite show is probably. Do I? Probably The Wire. Okay. okay. Um, I like The Sopranos. Uh, I've seen every episode five or six times, and it like to me, sixty percent of it's good. 30% is like okay and then 10% is actually bad. Um, it's not a bad ratio for a show that has what, seven se- seasons? 70 episodes? Six yeah. and a half. It's six seasons and the last season split the A and B because of the writer's strike. So you're saying there's six seasons in a movie? <laughs> See, I like that. The Many Saints of West Bridgewater. <laughs> um, what's your favorite show of all time? I don't Do know. More Girls? It's up there, yeah. Okay. It's one of Scott, them. favorite show? And we gotta wrap this up. Probably Breaking Bad. Really? I love it. It's so good to it watch. It doesn't exist without the Sopranos, but you won't go back. You can listen <laughs> to the fucking Buzzcocks. Sure. We're gonna have to listen to Slayer next week. Yikes. Don't do that to Emily. No, I, I don't want to do that to anyone's ears. I think I'm going deaf. 
And so on that note. welcome to the club, buddy. You think you're going deaf? One ear, yeah. Uh, one ear for me too. One ear is probably got 25% hearing left in it. Told the doc a couple years ago. He's like, what are you going to do? Huh. So. Cochlear implant. How do you feel? I'm to sell my girlfriend's RV first. <laughs> Sound of metal reference. Oh, I was thinking Drew McGarry. <laughs> Madry, whatever his name is. McGarry. He'll um, get there. When does the punk pop book come out? I mean, the uh, the sellout book. Uh, November, I believe. Okay. I'd like to read that for the pod, but I've just such, I've been such a, my reading has picked up. Has it? Mm. Oh, I meant to ask you. Since the last podcast, <laughs> uh, how many books have you finished? Um, we're just getting back into a groove. I've been reading I um, the Wally Lamb book. Which one? Um, oh, this, the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh so you're reading that. Yes. <laughs> and then you're watching Dear Zachary to fill the void of more depressive stuff. I don't find, I think that book's good. I didn't yeah. read the book. I know this much is true. Is that yeah. what it's called? But you I, love the show and the oh, show. Oh, you're reading it finally? Yeah, it's good. I, I have... There's the physical copy, and I have it on my Kindle. I think everyone should read it. No, is that the name of it? I read something by him. I know this him. much is true. Okay. There's She's Come Undone. That's what I've read. Is that yeah. book good? Yeah, I don't think it's for you, but it was really Sarah good. Sarah really liked it. Yeah. Wally Lamb, what a name. <laughs> anyway, I guess we'll we'll figure out what we're gonna what we're gonna do for the next episode. It needs to be good though. I'm not doing any more stuff <laughs> that's fucking torture. Yeah, we'll we'll pick it up. We'll uh, figure it out. All right. Well. Thanks for listening. I think uh, I'd love to see the numbers for this when they come out. (laughs) Uh, All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. See ya.